Here is today's word from the Lord. Would you say the name Jesus with me? Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Something about that name. Power in that name. This morning is the third in a series of sermons we have been sharing entitled, Walking Away from Jesus. Walking Away from Jesus. Now, as Christians, we tend to walk away from Him real easily. Uh, We can be doing our own thing in a matter of seconds. It doesn't take us long to disobey Him or get off track or do something that offends Him, to lose our first love, to lose that heart response that we've always had for Him. It's so easy to walk away. And some of us have known people that have really walked away. I mean, they've just said, the heck with this. I'm not having anything to do with church or Christians. And they leave. Some of you may be on that path or returning from that path. This morning's gospel reading from Luke chapter 15 gives us a story about a man who did such a thing. And I want to ask you to open up with me as we examine this passage. Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is known as the parable of parables. The parable of the prodigal son. The first thing we see, oh, by the way, what I'm going to do is I'm, we're going to first look at this parable through the lens of the sun. Some observations about what the sun did. Then we're going to come back and look at it through the lens of the father. So looking at it through the lens of the sun, the first thing we see is that he took his inheritance. Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. Now, think a minute. Can you imagine going to your dad or your mom and say, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. That's in essence what he was saying. Give it to me. So he took his inheritance. The next thing we see is he abandoned his father. He actually acted as if his father was dead. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country. He just abandoned dad. Acted as if he didn't exist. Abandoned his responsibilities around the farm or the estate or whatever it was, which he would have had. And just left. Then we're told that when he left home... He basically, he broke off a relationship. He went so far that there was no way that they could have communication. He broke off relationship. Then we see that he squandered his inheritance. Verse 14. Actually, it's the end of verse 13. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Everything the dad had worked so hard for, everything he had, he wasted it. He lost it. Interesting how we do that. Uh, you hear people win the lottery. You know, they win millions of dollars. And there have been some studies done a few years later, and what happens? They've spent it all, and not only that, they're in huge debt. This guy took it all and squandered it. And then we're told that a famine occurred on the land, and he, he needed to eat. He needed work, so he hired himself out. And he began to work with pigs, verse 15. After he had spent everything, he was 
There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Now, for a Jewish person of that day, to work with pigs was an abomination. It was despicable. It would be one of the lowest things you could do. It was humility in in the nth degree. We're also told he was starving, verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Can you imagine being so hungry that here you're feeding pigs this awful crud and you're just craving it? You're that hungry. Verse 17, we're told, and he came to his senses. He had an inner awakening. Something clicked. He became aware. He came to his senses. Norvell Geldenheis writes, The first step toward true repentance is that a man should become conscious of the misery into which he has fallen in the far country of sin, that he should see himself as he is in his intrinsic penury and shameful defilement. He woke up. He realized how bad it was. And he came to his senses. Then in verse 17, 18, and 19, we're told he remembered his father. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Make me one of your hired men. It was in that point, when he came to his senses, He remembered dad. And it didn't matter what relationship was going to be like at that point. He just wanted to go back. And then we're told he he went home. Verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. Well, that's a perspective on the son. Let's look at it through the father's eyes. First, we see the father gave him his inheritance. Verse 12. Now, to be somewhat fair, I, I need to say some scholars speculate that during that time period it wasn't too uncommon when a man was getting old that he might divide his estate and go ahead and parcel it out to his sons. But he gave, he gave him his inheritance. Second thing, verse 13, he let him go. He let him go. He could have tried to stop him, but he let him go. And then there's a silence about the father until verse 13. Or I'm sorry, so verse 20. He saw him a long way off. The picture I have there is a man sitting on the front porch, looking over his field. Down the field, there's this path or either driveway, and then way off. And every day, he's sitting on that front porch, and he's looking, and he's looking. And one day, far off, way far off, he sees him. That's what it's trying to convey, that kind of longing to be with his son. We're told he was filled with compassion. John Stott says his father's love for him never faltered. He misses him and longed for his return. This is grace, namely unmerited and unsolicited love. Grace. Then we see that the father disgraced himself by running to the son. You say, how did he disgrace himself by running to the son? Well, 
the whole village would have known that the son had disgraced himself and that he was deserving to be punished. But instead of inflicting suffering on the son, the father bears it upon himself. A man of his age and position would walk an upright, stoutly position wherever he went. He wouldn't run. That would be absurd. Yet here he is racing down the road, facing the ridicule of his fellow village, and taking on himself the shame and the humiliation that was due on the son, he puts it on himself. He disgraced himself. Then we're told in verse 20 what? He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Can you picture that? Throwing his arms around him, and he kisses him. Then we're told he restored his son, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. He restores his son. For you see, it says bring the best robe. It wasn't just a robe. It was the best robe. That means it was a robe of honor. He brought him a ring. The ring was a sign of authority, of being in that family. The shoes, that meant he was a son and not a slave or a servant. You see, slaves didn't have shoes. They wore sandals or they were barefooted. And then the fatted calf, that was reserved for special occasions, special times. And yet he's, he what? He, he cuts the fatted calf and they begin to cook it and they celebrate. He accepts his, his son. He restores him. He affirms him. He loves him. This is compassion. This is the compassion of God on display. This is God expressing His love. This is God saying, I love you. Do we see a father who's angry, pointing his finger and condemning? Where's my money? Where'd you leave? How could you do that? Just just fill in the blank. Is that what we see? No. We see the longing heart of the Father. Now don't get me wrong. God doesn't condone sin. We have to face the consequences of our sin. I often wondered what would have happened if the Son had stayed where He was and He didn't repent. What do you think would have happened? Anybody? Probably died. Hmm? would have been lost he would have been lost he would have died in poverty and misery and suffering suffering the consequences of his sin alienated from his father now did the father cause that no the son brought it on himself the father may have caused it in the sense that he allowed him to go but he was only reaping the consequences of his sin So do we when we walk away, when we stray, when we get off the path. We're seeing here the heart of the Father. He's saying, I love you. We see one who is willing to stoop 
in humility, running to greet his son, to restore his son, to say, I love you. I think this should be called the parable of the loving father, not the parable of the prodigal son. I think it it expresses God's love in such a powerful way. Now, you may have noticed that the title of the sermon this morning was uh, Walking Away from Jesus, Rejoicing in Heaven. And what does that have to do with all this? Well, what I want you to see is that when we turn from walking away from the Lord, He rejoices. This chapter has three parables. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. And remember that parable? There were a hundred sheep. And one gets lost. And the shepherd goes and he finds the sheep. And he comes back to his friends and says, let's celebrate. And Jesus comments on that in verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. God gets excited. He rejoices. It's his heart. And then the second parable The parable of the lost coin, the lady loses her coins and she searches all over the house and she finally finds that silver coin and she gathers her friends and says, let's celebrate. And Jesus comments on that. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, you remember in the story, there's an older son and the older son gets angry And he won't go inside, and so the father comes out and begins to talk to him and convince him to come inside. Listen to what he says. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. When we turn back to God, He rejoices, He celebrates. I wonder oftentimes what our picture of God is. Do we really believe He desires a relationship with us? He's gone to a lot of trouble to prove it. Sending Jesus to die upon the cross so that we could have relationship with Him because our sins would be atoned for? Do we really understand He desires Intimacy with me? He wants me to be his son? He wants you to be his daughter? He reaches out to us day by day, even when we go astray. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us to turn back. The Bible calls it repent. And when we do, he rejoices, he celebrates. He delights in it. Some of us need to turn back to Him now. We've been straying. One side note. What do we need to do for people or how can we help people who have gone down the prodigal son's path? We all know them. We've got people around us. What what do we do? The first thing is pray. Pray fervently for them. Ask God to invade their life. Ask God to invade their circumstances to the point where they will want to turn to Him. 
Pray. Prayer is powerful. The second thing is, is to love them where they are. You can't rescue them. You've got to love them where they're at. A third thing is to let them go. And that's the difficult one. If they've gone the prodigal path, and let me distinguish a minute between the prodigal son and the lost sheep. The lost sheep was just a sheep that got off the path a little bit, and the shepherd went and brought him back in. The prodigal intentionally rejected the father and left him. When someone does that, you've got to let them go. The worst thing you can do is try to go chase them. It's not going to do any good. It's going to make them harder. Harden their heart. Let them go. And then a fourth thing is be looking. Be looking. Be expecting. Be looking. Be looking for them to come down that road. Look with that expectation. Because one day they will. And when they do, that's when we need to wrap our arms around them and love them and care for them, not criticize them, put them down, reject them. No, that's when we need to embrace them with the love of God. We all have prodigals we know. We got to pray for them. We got to love them where they're at. We got to let them go. And we got to look with expectation. And when they come, love them. Care for them. Who among us has not gone down that road to some degree? Who among us hasn't turned our back on the Lord? We all walk away. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and to follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something and and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do and get your life right to him? Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be.
That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.